Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thank you for joining me today, guys and girls. Uh, we got our special one-hour interview show, and we'll talk to you a little bit about that in just a moment, and welcome my guest. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in to Snake Oil Radio, uh, this is a forum for talking about spirituality, uh, metaphysics, uh, all of the uh, things that, that would encompass that that category. Uh, I'm a columnist and a writer and uh, obviously a radio show host, and I do astrology and a few other things, and um, I may incorporate that a little bit somewhat within our interview. Uh, but this is our interview show. We do usually do one of these a month, and I'm very happy to have uh, a very, very uh, interesting guest. I think a lot of you guys are going to really enjoy listening to, and we will uh, open up the phone lines about maybe about a half hour through the show. It is an hour show, and I will give you guys an opportunity to make some call-ins, but I would like to wait about a half hour before we uh, necessarily open up the phone lines here. Anyway, my guest today is Apollo Poetry. He is known as the Traveling Poet. And uh, I'm going to let him tell a little bit about himself directly as opposed to me trying to muddle through that. Uh, and uh, anyway, welcome to the show, uh, Apollo. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. Glad you uh, glad you made it. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's dive right in here. Tell everybody a little bit about uh, some of the work that you do so we can give them kind of a basis to, uh, to, to draw from. Oh uh, sure. Before I do that, before I talk about myself to anybody listening who hasn't had a session with you, <laughs> I just want to big you up as this guy is absolutely amazing at what he does. So I highly recommend him to anyone listening. Um, <laughs> so I with me, that. I'm no definitely, definitely. You are easily the best reading I think I've ever had. So um, as far as what I do, I'm a poet, a photographer, filmmaker, hip hop artist. Uh, an actor, um, a writer, and I, I do so many different things, and I'm kind of spread thin. But you know, poetry, music, and art are obviously the core of who I am. And uh, I'm the founder of this project called The Traveling Poet, and it's an upcoming book and documentary that I started working on a few years ago. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even want to cut you up. There's a lot of things to talk about in, in terms of what you do. I, I've actually seen a couple of uh, Apollo's uh, videos. In fact, the first video that I caught of yours, by the way, and I want to mention this right from the start, is um, the You Are Beautiful campaign. Yes. How many years ago did you do that? Uh, that started in 2009. Yeah. Th- th- I don't know if anybody ha- has caught this, but you, you better be prepared to cry your freaking eyes out. <laughs> if you had it in a good way, by the way, I think crying is good in all directions. Anyway, personally, but uh, but uh, really very touching. Uh, thank, thanks. Uh, that that project, it's been really interesting. Um, you know, this movement that's kind of everyone's sparking these random act of kindness movements all over the world with the free hugs campaign, and now there's this new project called Global Love Letters, where you write a love letter and leave it in public places, and it's just amazing seeing these tiny little ripple effects and how long they last and how people get inspired and carry them on. So it's been uh, awesome being involved with such cool people. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, and I have to because I'm 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 quite a few years older than you. Um, you know what what I notice when I kind of looked at your stuff and your style, and and I hope you'll take this completely in a complimentary way. I was only a really really little kid in the late '60s to early '70s, and there's a similar type of almost vibrational rate to that that I notice that that's coming in with a lot of very creative people. Um, I hate to call it a little hippie-ish because I don't, but I don't see that as a negative. I think it, it had a lot to do with with being very loving toward everybody and very creative, and being very very open. Um, and uh, I, I see some of that that vibration kind of coming in again, in, in, in even in a more creative way in the current, with with some of the you know the twenty somethings and the early thirty somethings. So I'm actually very happy to see that that energy coming back in and I and I think in many ways you epitomize a lot of that um with uh with the you know with the bringing up of the the creative energy and, and poetry and and all of those things but of course in a completely new modern light at the same time right Which it's is, interesting yeah. how things cycle through from generation to generation <laughs> yeah. but, and and they do and I I remember reading something many many years ago that um that 
that, that from an author. Uh, there was a book called Whatever Happened to Divine Grace. Awesome book if you and you can dig it up. It's a channeled book, and uh, he had talked about that in the late sixties. Um, the the Christ energy was coming in energetically at that time, um, and I remember even as I read that that something sparked in my own mind about that is kind of what it felt like. You know, I think the you know the rigidness of of, of religion now is, is in many ways is breaking apart uh, because it's trying to hold on to some of that less fluid element of of, of spirituality, and uh, I think again that that I I think that energy is coming back in again in another format. So, good, good stuff, good stuff. Um, Anyway, just something that I observed. Again, I was really, really little, little during that time, but you could tell there was something about it uh, that w- was very unique. I, you know, and that's one of the things that I like to say too is that because people complain a lot about younger people, but um, of them being lazy and all these other things. So I said, but one thing you got to be uh, aware of is uh, young people like are, are, you know, they're not homophobic. They don't care about people's races. You know, they're growing up in a completely different way and adding a whole different energy to the planet right now. To me, that I think is really, really awesome. Oh, definitely, and I and I see it with young teenagers now. You know, I'm in my late twenties, and when I see young kids doing what they're doing, I'm blown away. I'm like, wow, like they're they're getting so much like better and stronger. And I always have this thing where I I hope that my grandkids make fun of the way that I lived my life because they think it was so close-minded. <laughs> because that means that every generation is getting more open-minded and more conscious and, and more so. Let's hope, let's hope that, you know, that's always the case where people are always looking back and being like, how could they live like that? How could they have thought like that? How could they have lived right. like that? Um, just like we do now with, uh, you know, slavery and sexism and, you know, who knows what they'll look back at our generation and, and say the same thing. Definitely, and I, certainly, because you already see that happening about even human sexuality, about just the repression around that and all the craziness that I think that's so 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 part of of things that are people are still kind of holding on to in a way that I just never got. Um, if I just wrote something about that too, about racism, like I I never got it. I just even when I encountered someone who was really mean to me of another race when I was younger, I didn't attach their meanness to their race. You're either you're either really cool or you're kind of an asshole. What did race have anything to do with it? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, <laughs> right. possibly ever thought that way? You know, and I, I find that interesting that that a lot of people would struggle with that. You know, I, I want to uh, let me mention. Uh, sometimes I like to make comments, uh, repeat comments in the chat room for people listening live. Uh, Desiree White uh, is uh, in, in our chat room, and she said, "My friend's mother told me yesterday I was born in the wrong decade." Eloy basically referring to what Jim just mentioned about being a hippie. So uh, that's an awesome comment because, uh, I, again, I associate that with really positive stuff. I mean, I remember that, that, again, I was a little kid at the tail end of that hippie movement. People were, like, just mellow and cool, and, yes, they were stoned, but I don't really know necessarily if that's the worst thing uh, a person could necessarily be. I think it's certainly a lesser evil than being mean and uh, and, and racist and, and bigoted and, ugh. Right, and those are usually the people who are saying dirty hippies as if, you know, doing that is worse than all the atrocities happening in the world. <laughs> right, yes, free love and, and, and people, have, you know, having sex and, and, and getting being happy. I mean, what a terrible world that must be when things like that are going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so horrible. So, uh, all right, let's switch gears a little bit here because we can go on that subject for a while. Uh, I know you just uh, you just popped out something pretty new, uh, and I, I, of course I love the title, and I think it's going to spur a lot of conversation here. You you just did a video called Spiritual Bullshit. Yes. All right, I know you can talk about spiritual bullshit now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, basically, the, the song, I, I wrote it a few months ago, and the music video just came together. Just the, the talent that showed up was just great. But the whole concept of it was really with um, to, most, a lot of people are afraid of their darkness, and a lot of people are afraid of their light. You know, which category you fall in is all up to the individual. But my whole, you know, purpose of my life was to be able to face both my darkness and my light and realize the purpose of them. Because if if we stay in denial about how powerful we are, or if we stay in denial about, you know, the, the places we go when nobody's looking with our thoughts or, you know, off of Facebook status updates where we want to act like we're holier than thou, if we're not willing to face those two things, 
then it's really difficult to get past them or to transcend them or to understand the purpose and the lessons that they're meant to teach. So the song and the video was kind of poking fun at the whole, you know, holier than thou judgmental egotistic uh, approach of spirituality and the stereotypes and the images and all of that. So I love it. I, I, I have to, I haven't actually seen it yet. I, I read a little bit about it uh, from, from Facebook and other areas. I'll have to actually check the video out. Uh, but I love it. Uh, I think it's a great thing to bring up. And, and I absolutely think that, that, you know, both of the things you're talking about are really, really relevant. One, you know, as spiritual human beings, you know, the, the ultimate most powerful healing tool uh, to me is ultimately humor. You know, to be able to poke at our own ridiculousness at some level. And I think sometimes I, I call it spiritual arrogance <laughs> nice. that I run across with spiritual people sometimes who sort of forget that humanness in that respect, you know, that they lose touch with, with that. They become, yes, I'm the ascended master, I'm all wise. Well, you still sometimes get gas and smell like shit or, you know what I mean, like, you know, stay stay in the planet at, at some levels as well, too. And the other thing I think, and I, I, of course I'm an astrologer, so I'm going to stick this two cents in about this because I have uh, worked with uh, Apollo before and I know his astrology chart. Um, you know, he brings up some interesting stuff to me that's very scorpionic, which is your sun sign, by the way, right? Yes. Sun and Scorpio. Because I, you know, I always, I always say that, you know, part of Scorpio's job in this world is to manipulate. And, you know, as human beings, we hear that word and we want to say, oh, manipulation, oh, he's so manipulative. But, you know, when you go to a chiropractor and, and he manipulates you or she fixes your back, you don't leave going, I'm, I'm annoyed at that bitch for manipulating me. When, <laughs> when you see beauty... You don't get annoyed, hopefully you don't get annoyed, that, that something turns you on or something got you to feel happy because you notice beauty or you know anything else that matter, or, or a piece of music or poetry moved you, even if it made you cry. You were manipulated. So I think you bring up some interesting points about how, to me, Scorpio energy is about being willing to look at the darkness that exists, the animal side of man, too, and not to try to excuse it away. Um, and pretend that it's not there. So is that maybe something in alignment with, with what you were, you were getting at? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, saying that there, you don't have an ego or saying that you're not being judgmental requires a level of judgment. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of my partners said, uh, you know, that uh, the I forgot how the quote, something like, as long as you're here on Earth, you still have an ego. It's kind of part of the, part of the deal. <laughs> yeah. It's true, exactly, and, and it serves a purpose. I mean, I think the key is to not become egocentric, uh, but to, to use it. Your ego is, is, is the thing that keeps you dealing with physical reality and, and the tangible world. It, it has a purpose, but if you're all about that, then you're, you're a dummy <laughs> because then you're not really tapping into your spiritual side. But I've seen the opposite. I've seen people who are, like, so spiritual that they're sort of not on the planet anymore. Right, and, and then it, yeah. it cycles back to the ego, so it kind of defeats its purpose. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, you know, you still have to maneuver. You know, I think that it's one of the things. Like for me too, like I love a lot of Buddhist philosophy, um, and and especially to me, one of the cleanest religions to me is probably Zen Buddhism, in a lot of ways because it's the least. I don't know, manipulated in that sense. But I also, I think one of the things about Buddhism that I always kind of had a little bit of trouble with was a sort of denial of the body as somehow less than. And I think it's just, we're body, mind, and spirit. We have to really attend to all aspects of ourselves in order to be a human being. The good sides of them and the, and the pain in the ass sides to all of it as well, too. So, but I still think Buddhism is really cool. So I don't oh, even want to quote me on, on saying that there's a negative attached to it. You know what I mean? Again, it's much harder to manipulate, you know, that religion or that philosophy in the way people often do with Christianity. Right, right. Sadly. Um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely the case. Um, so where is uh, spiritual uh, bullshit uh, being being launched? Is it, um, is it is an Internet launch? Tell me where this is all happening so people will know how to catch this. 
Oh yeah, I just uploaded on YouTube uh, a few days ago. It's already got like seven thousand hits, so it's starting to go viral, which is really cool seeing that. And the emails I've I've gotten from the song have just been so overwhelmingly positive, where people are just like, finally, someone is saying what you know a lot of us are thinking, but they're kind of afraid to say it. Especially, uh, I, my biggest thing is Facebook and the way people present themselves online compared to how they actually are in real life. <laughs> but yeah. um, if you just go on YouTube and type in. Type in, type in spiritual bullshit or Apollo poetry. It's on my channel as well, and that's a, probably the best way to find it right now. And then eventually, I'm going to have it up on my website as well, which is ApolloPoetry.com. Cool. You know, and you mentioned you know, the thing about Facebook, and I and I think you're bringing up a, another really kind of interesting point also about. I think social media really gives people an ability to connect with people all over in a way that is really really amazing. In many respects, because you can be, you know, talking to someone on the other side of the planet and be friends with them and have that connection. But I think you're right that way too. A lot of it is is far more rehearsed than you would do in in real life uh, in in terms of how you're presenting yourself and what you post, and even just using the edit key. Although a lot of people um, <laughs> don't seem to use edit. <laughs> spell check or edit when they post things. It always makes me laugh because I'm so anal uh, about such <laughs> things. But uh, that's a heavy Virgo in my chart. But uh, the um, but I think that it, it's true when you're you're dealing with with a regular human being and talking and interacting. You know, you're exposing more of that 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 flaw, which to me, in many ways, is somewhat more intimate. Oh yeah, I mean, right now, even me and you talking. You know, usually when you're having a conversation, you're not really consciously thinking. You're kind of just, the words are coming out instantly. Um, so Facebook and online and, and all that stuff, there is a filter that's put there. Like, the fact that I can sit down, I've done this before. I started typing something and then I reread it. I'm like, huh, that could be misinterpreted. Let me change the wording on that. Right. And, and we, you can't, you don't have that privilege, especially right now. We're having a live interview. It's being recorded. So if I say something, <laughs> yeah. that's it. It's It's out there, you know, and online, you know, people kind of like, think about what's the best way how am i going to look the best to my community and blah 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 and so it kind of disconnects you from that kind of that that flaw of human nature that but because in that flaw also its greatest strength its greatest beauty it's you know that freestyling that that energy channeling through the live conversation is very powerful and so yeah I, I completely agree and and i think it, it it's something like i mean i always laugh when i, I was at my a friend of mine's house and she has a seven-year-old daughter and she was sitting with us around the table talking, but of course she was texting a friend the entire time. And I always I, that makes me laugh at some of those because I'm like an old fart. I mean, I do know how to text, and I have learned how to use it. I'm like, I'm never going to be one of those people that like, I'm never going to use a computer. It's 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 just too complicated for me. And swinging my cane <laughs> around. Uh, you know, so give me a break already. But uh, but it made me laugh too because I, you know here she is. You know. We're having a real conversation, and we're sort of drinking coffee and eating cookies. You know, dude, seriously, to hang out with your friend and have the conversation and, and, and drink the coffee. and You know what I mean? Like, have the interaction at the same time. But uh, but I think that, that that's a very common thing uh, for a lot of people. It, 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 it's, it is a connector at some levels, but also disconnects. Right. I've seen I've I've seen my younger sister text somebody who was in the same room as her, just because she didn't want to say it out loud, like what she wanted to say. So, um, it's you know that the technology is really interesting because it lets you exist in two different realities. So, you know, I, I was uh, reading last week actually about how you know many decades ago people wanted were thinking about how we can uh, start practicing uh, ESP, you know, and then it's like, and then we created phones. And if you think about it, nobody really understands how phones and satellites actually right. work like we can understand it like okay so there's this invisible wire but how is a sound wave coming out of my voice into this thing called a phone and traveling miles up into the sky and you guys can hear it within a millisecond it's it's really hard to comprehend how it actually works we kind of just accept that it does and people are like well you know technology is our way of kind of expanding without it being kind of too spooky for us right. that we're existing in multiple realities multiple dimensions and so it's really interesting. It's true. And it's funny that you bring up the ESP thing, uh, again, because that was a big thing in, in the late 60s and 70s for people to explore that. In fact, I, you know, for, for some young people, they may not even necessarily know what that means when you say ESP, which is extrasensory perception. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
that was such a big thing uh, that 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 was operating, you know, at that time. And uh, but I, I I think that telepathy itself is is the the wave that communication rides on anyway. Right. So you know, it it just does. I, I think that 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 to me is is a, a really key component. That that's what happens when you become really close friends with someone, you become intimate with them. You often actually are able to then communicate telepathically more easily. So it's there. Uh, cool. All right. You know what? I want to. One of the things I want to talk about with, with Apollo today is I want to talk about the roots of um, his spiritual journey and kind of really how that 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 came about, and also his creative journey. I am gonna. I think I'm gonna cut forward and take a, a caller first, and then we'll we'll launch into that because we do have a caller. So let's see if we can get a live caller here or another live caller here. Okay, four eight four. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio. How are you? Hi, this is Tanya calling you back. Hi, Tanya. How are you today? I'm uh, doing well. I'm I'm doing okay. Um, I've been having for the last couple of nights. I have not been able to sleep, and I've been having a lot of internal anxiety. And I do have psychic ability myself, and dreams and stuff like that. And I'm just calling up today because I'm concerned about me not sleeping and having this anxiety. Like, I actually wake up, like, at 2, 3 in the morning, and I look out the windows, and there's something bothering me, but I don't know what it's bothering me. And it must be something, you know, when I'm sleeping, my body gets up, and I look out the windows, and I'm just wondering if something going to be happening in the next couple of days, or do you have any idea of what's going on here with my body and what's okay. going on? Um, I, I'm going to quickly comment on this, and I'm going to see if Apollo has anything to say on this. I, I kind of want to uh, make sure a lot of our, our calls today are, are geared toward my guest, um, so I want to see what, if he's got any input on this as well, too. But what I will mention to you, Tanya, is, you know, even in, like, in the Tarot, there's a symbol of uh, an archetypal card called the moon. And when it shows up around us energetically, what it kind of does is it, it, it makes our intuitive abilities grow um, dramatically. Our psychic intuitive abilities tend to grow. But it can also be a trigger that a lot of that can come through kind of uncomfortable energy, things having to do with nervousness or fear or, or things with the people around us that are a little disturbing. Sometimes we can't even put okay. our finger on it. But know okay. that usually that is something that does have a lot to do with the growth of intuitive ability. A lot of times it means there's something inside that's beginning to kind of push its way out, but often mm -hmm. that could come through fear first. Um, so, but know that fear will eventually pass. Fear is kind of like the, you know, to me, it's just like the, it's like the wet blanket that gets thrown okay. over over things. Um, Apollo, is anything you want to add to this? This was actually good from what you were saying about the roots of, you know, what got me onto this path. Uh, uh, when I was younger, I suffered through major uh, anxieties and depressions. And what I learned with it is a lot of times there were things going on with me subconsciously that um, when I had the thought, it gave my body a negative feeling. And my initial reaction was to run away from it, and I learned to actually go towards it as, at a much faster speed. So, um, you know, if I'd woke up in the middle of the night, it was often my subconscious that was trying to deal with what my conscious was trying to ignore. And it was manifesting, you know, in anxieties, it was manifesting in physical pain or, you know, in being anxious. So what I just learned that that worked for me and, you know, different things work for different people, but really just sitting in silence out in nature during the day and just exploring all the all of my thoughts and trying to find peace with it. Um, and then at night, not trying, because once you, you know, once you try to fall asleep, you're not going to be able to fall asleep. <laughs> it's yeah, just right. kind of like flowing into the river of it and trusting that, you know, your mm -hmm. thoughts are settled, you're at peace with yourself during the day, and now it's time to just trust your body to do what it's designed to do, which is rest. Okay. That's a yeah. That that's that, that's a, that's a, that's some great advice. That, that that's a great way of looking at it. Because we do. We, we he's right. When the subconscious, when the unconscious stuff begins to kind of boil, you know, it, it, there's something coming up and out for a reason. I want to mention this to you, Tanya. What I'm hearing intuitively is it also. I feel like there's something coming up for you around 
looking at where there are people, circumstances, and things that that may take advantage of you in a way, and I feel like there's something coming up in you about becoming more clear about what you're going to let in your life and what you're not going to have. So I feel like it has to do with you becoming stronger. So okay, right. I, I like it. I think it's a positive, but you know, but it might it, it feel a little crappy for a, for a little while. So just kind of ride through it. I think that you know, I, I, I sleep like a baby most of the time. I'm very lucky that way. But once in a while, I'll have that too, where I just can't sleep for some reason, or I'm being woken up in an uncomfortable kind of a way, or I got an anxiety feeling that that will pop up. And and Apollo brought this up, and this is really significant. You know, a lot of people who are I hate to use this terminology, but slightly manic depressive are often the most powerful and creative and talented people of all. So it's like you don't want to really actually get rid of that. You just want to channel it into something positive and useful. Right. I mean, I just kind of feel like my body or my gut knows that something is going to be coming up and it's reacting before the event even happens. Yes. I mean, do you guys do you guys feel like there's anything traumatic that's going to happen like this week, this weekend? Anything drama prone? I mean, I don't know. Apologies oh, I just in. yeah, I just want to say um, that's like you like uh, he, um, to me. I, I'll relate it to this when I before I go on stage and perform. I know this sounds unrelated, but it totally is. My body starts reacting, knowing in advance what's going to happen. Uh, I start getting anxiety. Okay. My, my stomach starts twisting up. Um, what I've done is I've learned to convert that mentally that it's just energy, that it's something that's happening, that I'm connected to this time lapse, and it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's just preparing myself to deal with it. So it actually is a blessing, even if it doesn't feel like it at first. Your your emotional body's preparing to deal with what's coming, and it's giving you the strength to deal with it. So you're obviously connected to, to an event and um, try to not project fear around it because you don't know what it is going to be and whatever vibration you're carrying right now, you you don't want to attract that intentionally. So just whatever is coming is going to come and you are preparing to deal with it. So that is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I second that completely and, and I'll even add to it, I'll throw a little optimism uh, into it is you know it's already optimistic what you just said, but uh, I think whatever you are going to encounter, I think you're going to come through with shining colors and be really proud of how you did it. Okay. And I okay. like that. I feel like this is a. I think it's a good event. I think it's you know sometimes good events are disguised in in, in a pile of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When you look at it at first, I was just mentioning this to someone recently that. About when I got back from vacation, my my cat that I've had for like nine years, who I love like a freaking child, um, the, the the pet sitter let her out, and so when I got back from my Vegas trip, she was gone, and and I was oh, very upset about that. No. I didn't know where she went, and she ended up being gone for eight days, and she has never been gone that long. And when oh. I got very quiet and listened to my intuition. I felt that she would come back, and I also felt that she was at someone else's home, that someone had let her in. In fact, I think it was right. probably her original owners, but just intuitively, and but that she just would try to escape when she could to come back. But it was eight days, and I got freaked out, and I was upset a bit, even though my intuition told me what that everything was going to be fine. But you know what happened that's funny? Because she did come back eight days later, and now she wants nothing to do with going outside. Right. She wants to be on the bed sleeping and in this house with her father until she dies. <laughs> she wants nothing to do with outside. Right. So it's funny because it was such a crappy event, but then the outcome turned out to be like very beneficial for me because I don't have to deal with worrying about letting her out and whether she's going to come back or not. She, I can I right. can open the front door and she'll look at it and be like, nope, going back to bed, not interested. Yeah. So uh, interesting how those things work out. Right. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Tanya, thank you for your call. Uh, I'm going to uh, continue on with the interview. We appreciate that, and uh, uh, and, and, and hang in there with whatever it is. It's going to turn out positive. All right? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Peace. All right. One of my regular calls there. We like her. Oh, uh, okay. we, we've, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, you do. You get, I mean, you know, and it's funny because I, I think this would really apply to you, and I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with a lot of listening audience because, you you you've done so much performance, um, and and probably you know in your case you've probably done like you know five times more than I have easy, and you know 
what's funny is, you know, I think people think that when you become really good at performing that you never, ever, ever get nervous anymore or something. You know, that you quite, get, quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's always another challenge that comes up that, you know, scares the crap out of you at some level. But I, I always like the expression, be afraid and do it anyway. Oh, of course. To me, that's where the greatest performances come out of. I, you know, I, I've been performing over 15 years, and it surprises people that I still get knots in my stomach. Um, it's really interesting because mentally, I'm not nervous at all. I'm mentally, I'm totally fine. But my body, like, it, it seems like it has its own thought process because. And then there was that big shift that I was telling her when I changed my perspective and realized that what is happening is an amazing thing, that there's energy being built up, that it's not nervousness. It's like, hey, man, you're about to do something really cool, so prepare to kick ass on the mic. So, like, uh, all actors, all performers, they feel that, like, something is about to happen and their body reacts to it. So it's just a preparation, which is amazing that that's even possible. Yeah, that's a absolutely, and that's a great way of putting it. I, I think for a lot of people that, that that's really a, a good thing to hear. And I I would even add to it and say you got you know the the wiring of our bodies. Even if we look at the way our chakras are lined up, um, your first, second, third, your you know your root chakra, your solar plexus, your stomach, those they're not really um, enlightened. It's not like the higher chakras. So when those are, are taken over and reacting, that is, you feel butterflies in your stomach. You know, you want to, you know, you want to crap yourself practically. I mean, that nervousness, that anxiety. That's really where it comes from. Um, and, and that to me is part of, of becoming more an enlightened human being. You're integrating all the chakras, including the higher ones, in all of your experiences. But the adrenaline that we feel from that place is also addicting in its own way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a I say it's the reason, you know, there's such an obsessive popularity of a show like The Walking Dead um, on AMC. And if you ever catch it, it's about zombies, and it will scare the crap out of you. And even if you're, like, not the type of person who is ever afraid of anything, that's me. Like, I'm never afraid of anything. But, like, I watch a show, and it scares the shit out of me. And I like it because I like the feeling of the adrenaline <laughs> that you can feel that way. It's kind of like getting on a roller coaster. Why would you bother? Well, because I have a stroke, and then I get off. And then I'm done. Right. So that's the best way for people to non-performers to understand what you're saying is like, why go on a roller coaster? Exactly. Right. What's the point? Why would I put myself through that? Because I want to feel scared, <laughs> briefly. You know, what I mean, and then like, again, you know, be afraid and then, and then do it anyway. Um, all right, cool subject. Hey, let's talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna open the phone lines again in a little bit here, but I want to talk a little bit about um, asking Apollo to talk a bit about like how his spiritual path started because I think that this is really something a lot of people are going to be interested in in, in hearing uh, because uh, again I think for for a lot of you guys a lot of the listeners um, we I think we wait for extraordinary circumstances um, and and sometimes we have to make our own extraordinary circumstances I, I think that's largely what I did uh, I've talked about this on on the show before about my own path on this. I wasn't like a kid that was like a, a an amazingly spiritual child. I was somewhat more more so maybe than than some of the other kids were, but I didn't like grow up with like an amazing, you know, a tea re- tea leaf reading mother or anything like that either. Uh, Apollo may have though. So <laughs> tell me a little <laughs> bit about you know how did your you know because you're clearly a spiritual person. Um, you know, was that an outgrowth from your, the creative endeavors you were drawn to, or did you really begin to experience those early on in a different way? You know, it's funny. If people saw me just a few years ago or, uh, you know, I was this hardcore battle rapper. I had a show on MTV, and I, I was totally egotistic. I had, you know, and I still am, you know, always. <laughs> I'm still human, but but um, you just would never guess that I would take the path that I took uh, just based off of what I was presenting to the world, like, you know, I was like this young kid. I had girls and money and a house and a cars, and then I lost everything. And when I lost it, there was this amazing gift that was birthed from that. I think that was like really the turning point. You know, when I was in my teenagers, I was probably like 5% into this. And then right. as I grew up, you know, as you go through stuff, you realize like the powerful lessons that life is presenting to you once you have something and then you lose it and um, being homeless and having guns pulled on me and all these things just surviving and pushing forward and pushing forward and then 
there's that aha moment that happens, and it's not even just this one moment. It's kind of this, your life is an aha moment. It's a continuously evolving aha moment. <laughs> so um, even now, like, I still deal with it, and for the rest of my life, I'll always be dealing with catching myself and learning and really understanding that in every moment, no matter what you are doing, and I mean that, no matter what, I don't care if you're meditating, if you're bowling, if you're at a nightclub, no matter what you're doing, you are a teacher and a student in that moment. And I accepted my role as that, so I no longer resist that. You know, if darkness comes up, if lightness comes up, I'm no longer resisting it because I understand that there is a lesson that my soul has lined up in my path that my mind might not understand it. So rather than judge it and rather than be controlled by the fear of the situation, I just accept it as part of the journey and has this powerful lesson that one day I'll understand maybe after this life. Interesting. I, 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 I love the way you said that. Uh, that's a, that's a great expression of, of, of putting that, that into words. Well, I guess you're a word guy, so of course you you should be able to, you should do that well. Um, but I, I love that what you're saying about the lessons of the soul, because I'm, I'm always telling people that too, don't battle with your higher self and where it's taking you one, because it's going to win anyway. And two, because it's not an idiot. It, it does have a, it, it, it does know what's best in that sense, in terms of purpose. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I know I, even, even for myself, I, I went through that too. Uh, it's interesting to listen to Apollo's path on this because what he's saying really what I'm getting is that in many ways it came somewhat later, um, you know, your spiritual path, meaning like, you know, again, you weren't like the, the, the seven-year-old who was meditating, or, although you might have been, who knows. No, uh, I wasn't. <laughs> no. So, the, you know, and it's a funny thing, too, because I've told people that also. Like when I wrote the, well, the first book I wrote, is a book called Dirty Little Secrets, and it surprises people because, like, I started the spiritual path early at, like, 15 or 16. Of course, it started with, like, Bigfoot and UFOs and all the really, you know, corny kind of things that are just sensational. And then it advanced to, you know, to, to uh, channeling and, and astrology and things like that. But, what would surprise a lot of people is even though I had all the spiritual knowledge at a young age, like when I was 21, I went through like a six-month period where I was like, I wanted to be the popular guy, and I was like doing coke and living in New York and working as a waiter. And like it, now I look back on it, it was so freaking stupid. But I needed that experience also. Like there was that part of me that needed to go through that, that what I call young soul consciousness that desire to belong, to show off, to look pretty, to be part of something really cool, you know. And then I, I think for, for mature and older souls, you'll go through it and you'll do it for a while. And then this part is like, okay, that was interesting, but God knows I ain't going to spend a lifetime putting my energy toward that crap. So right. I think that's where the shift comes. And I also think, you know, like he uh, you were talking about before, that when we go through these, these difficult passages and, and transitions, you know, there is light on the other side. Uh, we just have to go through them. Absolutely. And let other people go through theirs, too. Like, you know, when you were saying that the path that you were taking and the path that I took, it's like now that we've reached this certain level of understanding, who are we to stop somebody from walking their path? Who are we to say that, you know, like this is that person doesn't need that? Whatever they're going through is exactly what they need to be going through. So that's like when you were talking about the Christ consciousness um, where he hung out with the homeless people, he hung out with the whores, you know, <laughs> he hung right. out with all of them um, just because he, he understood that, right? So it's the same thing where it's like, who who am I to say, oh, now I've discovered spirituality, so that homeless person or that stripper or that drug addict or any of them, like, that's a bad thing that they're doing. And, right. you know, it's exactly what they need to be doing in order to get whatever lessons they need to get. And who the hell am I to say anything else? You know, I, I just shine my light. If they get drawn to it, then that's part of their path. If not, that's part of their path as well. But the, the judgment is really the the tough thing to try to control and balance and to, to overcome and and i bet you probably have done i'm guessing uh because of uh, some similar astrology that we have i bet you've probably done some of the stuff that i've done too where like when i'm around someone that that society might consider bad or wrong quote unquote my i i want to just like pick their brain out of curiosity 
more than anything else. Like when I, every time I've ever been around like a really hardcore like, like stripper or prostitute or something like that, like I don't actually even go into judgment. Like I'm, I want to ask them questions about what they do, <laughs> like because that interests the hell out of me. But like I'm always fascinated. Like when I've talked to, to prostitutes, I'm always fascinated with someone who has the ability to have sex with someone that they're not attracted to. Like, that fascinates me. I don't know if that's the Sagittarius or the Scorpionic part of me that wants to poke and prod into weirdness. In well, I think, you're, I think you're interested in, in, in human psychology and trying to understand rather than judge, which I think is a, a great thing. Is too many times, like, you know, we, we judge people for their decisions without really taking the time to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And we, if we approach them, this is the biggest thing. You cannot inject your light unless you connect. So the same way, if you don't plug in into a socket, you're not going to be able to have that surge of electricity. So if, if you come off, I think adapt, you know, being able to adapt and being able to connect with people on their level and not coming off like you're, you know, have you're you're there. You have to teach them, and you have to inspire them, and you have to enlighten them, and all that stuff. Just connect with them, and just be real with them. And then after that, through your conversation, just through your natural being, perhaps it will inspire them. But that shouldn't be the intent of going there and being, you know, acting like you're better than them. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly, which is also delusional to me. That the better than <laughs> syndrome. I always laugh when when I when I think of that. Because even even if you're really really smart, there's always going to be someone that's smarter than you. You know, even if you're really really good looking, there's going to be someone that's better looking than you. I mean, who cares? Uh, to me, you, you can learn something from everybody. Um, I want to mention a little comment in the chat. I guess we got a couple of Sagittarius's popping in out of here. Desiree White is also a Sagittarius, so I'm guessing she understands this uh, this conversation. I don't think you have to be Sagittarius to understand philosophy, by the way, but it, it definitely helps to have a little little Sag flavor in the chart. Uh, let me throw the guest call number if anybody wants to call in and, and talk to Apollo and ask him any questions. Um, feel free to call in. The guest call in number here is 646-200-3966. You might need to dial a 1 before that, guys. Um, uh, again, that's 646-200-3966. So feel free to call in. We've got about another 15 minutes of show time so we can take one or two callers. Otherwise, we will continue on with our conversation and this uh, cool interview here. So, okay. So let's see if we get any callers or any questions. Feel free to ask questions in the chat room as well, too. Um, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a bit about um, your poetry because I think that's probably something that's maybe near and dearest to your heart. Um, did you were, you were you writing poetry at a at a at a young age? When did when did that kind of surface? Uh, I always had a love for words. Uh, my parents told me like when I was like two or three years old, they would wake up and I'd be already awake like with the newspaper open, like trying to un understand words. Uh, and then I started reading at a really young age. I just fell in love with words. I started writing when I was nine years old. And, you know, I've been writing for almost two decades now, and it's it's really interesting because it's like uh, reaching that the spiritual point where there is only so much that words can explain. And it's like that's probably the hardest thing for a poet to grasp, that <laughs> there is only so much that words can take you. Um, but it's just been a love of mine my entire life. I, I love the fact that right now, like – you know, my words are, are symbols. All words are symbols. They are just concepts that we all agree to. But in reality, we're just animals making sounds. Like, you know, my mouth is moving and there's a sound coming out, and you can conceptualize what I'm saying, which I find so amazing. So I just I love self-expression in all forms. Yeah, you, you clearly have a, a, a love of words, and you, and you definitely express yourself very well. You know, I think uh, that I think is something that that does have to come a little bit natural to people. Um, but I always think that a lot of the things that we like, I, I'm a total textbook case for this. The things that I did as a child are the things that I do in my work now. Like so. I always, I'm always, because people a lot of times they'll come to me and they want to find out what their life purpose is. And I'm always like, go back to your childhood. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to go back to my childhood, trust me. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, what were you drawn to that you did? 
And and for me, you know, similar to Apollo, like I loved words. Like, in fact, I, I joke. Maybe it's a New York thing, but sometimes I'll say the most worst, racist, terrible things. But I say them be, not because I believe that, because God knows I don't at any level. I say it because it's a fascination of words, and even really shitty words fascinate me. That I mean, like the terrible words that people have come up with for cultures and things. Like I do it just to be almost humorous. Uh, but uh, and and to poke the bubble at it that it's so ridiculous in the first place. But I also like when I was a kid, I used to um, I used to do radio shows on tape. I would do little performances with my friend. I used to from when I was in school, if I got an essay question, I would be doing cartwheels. That I didn't have to do a multiple choice question. That it was an essay, because that was the easiest thing in the world for me to write something. You know, so I think we we have these dispositions. Um, at a young age, and that's why I often tell people that's what I mean about looking back at what your roots are, what you were drawn to. So clearly you were, were drawn to words at a, at a young age. And, you know, poetry is such an interesting, you know, thing to me because um, it is uh, uh, it definitely a unique art form. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I think it's probably tough to make a living as a poet, though. Some, you know, I hate to say that. I don't want to say. I don't want to throw that into the mix as a belief. But, but uh, <laughs> it might. Oh, it be. Is. Uh, there, there, there is a reason why I have twelve different professions on my website. <laughs> yeah, that you're you're juggling multiple things. I, I do too. I, I there's like so many different things that I do that when people ask what I do for a living, I'm like, okay, wait a second. All right, I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this. And that, you know what's funny is when you do that, like a lot of people. Um, Rather than they actually react with, oh, like I'm just an insurance salesman. <laughs> and I'm always like, well, that's good for you though. Maybe you're a really awesome insurance salesman. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. Are you also a father? Are you also, a, you know, a, a brother? Are you, you know, what I mean, yeah, seriously, don't don't limit the way you view things. But I think that I think it's the nature of, of people who have a lot of mutability in their charts that they have to juggle and do multiple things anyway, just because they get bored. Right. <laughs> you got to have your hands in a couple of jars. Uh, okay, let me see. We've got a question from the chat room that I want to ask uh, out loud here. Okay, so let's see. Desiree White is asking, quick question for Apollo. Apollo, when you get an influx of creative ideas, how do you prioritize which ones you will work on first and which ones you will ultimately never act, action, I'm thinking mean act on? Okay. Oh, my biggest weakness, you just called it out. <laughs> oh, well done there, uh, Desiree. <laughs> she must have intuitively connected to my weakness. <laughs> She's like, ha, I'm going to call him no, out. Kidding, but... um, honestly, priority has probably been my biggest challenge um, with things. I kind of, I, I don't know how to prioritize. Like when I get inspired to do something, I just do it in that moment. I don't think about anything else but doing that. Um, and sometimes even finishing projects has been kind of challenging with me as well. But, like, you know, the, the Traveling Poet Project's a perfect example. I literally just woke up, you know, from a dream, and I, I booked the URL the next morning, and I started planning the trip, and then I started the whole journey. So, like, to me, it's like when I get an inspiration, usually you, your energy is the highest right when you get a thought. Like, it excites you, and you're like, oh, this is such a good idea. I need to do this then that's usually the best time to at least launch it because if you launch it off of that energy, then even during the challenging times and the obstacles, you know, you, you at least have the ball rolling. And, you know, getting the ball rolling is always the hardest part. And then once it's rolling, it kind of takes on a life of its own. So it has its pros and cons to, to take that approach. That's, that's an interesting way of viewing it. And you're right. And and oh, I want to mention Desiree writes in the chat room. She says she's sorry <laughs> that she that she triggered that. I mean, no, no. We're, I think we're both being humorous about it. We, you know, I, I like I said, I, I I'm true Sagittarius in that sense. I love I love sarcasm and button pushing. I, I mean, I, I do. My, my birthday in the the secret language birthdays is the the birthday of the instigator. So like I can take it too. If someone's going to dish out, I could take it. Um, but uh, let me let me kind of add something to what what Apollo just said. That I think some of you guys might find of interest because this is a certainly a Sagittarian um, uh, reality as well as some other signs have, have some access to this. But you know, Sagittarius is, and people have strong Sag in the chart. Apollo's a Scorpio, but he's got about three or four planets in Sag in his chart. I've done this astrology chart. Um, one of the things that you get with Sagittarius is. It's a visionary sign. It's a very future-oriented sign. Sagittarius often have the ability to see the future, 
at some level. Um, not, 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 that means not only in the world, but also even in their own life. A lot of times you will pick up things that you will do down the line as a vision or an awareness. So what I have to remind myself as a Sag, and I, I often mention this to other Sagittarius, is a lot of times you'll get creative ideas and that it might be something that you will write or you will do five years from now. So it's sometimes it's good to take notes on it, but you're not going to always act on everything that you get immediately, but that's part of that duality that goes on of having that visionary consciousness to be able to see things. So then you've got to be patient to allow it to kind of unravel and unfold in its own time. For me as a writer, I can tell you, and I've done about 74 or 75 columns already for my snake oil column, um, I've, some of the stories that I've just written came to me four years ago, and I never actually wrote it, and then it was ripe now. So I would like to bring that up so that people don't think that they're nuts, that they do that, or that they're lazy. Or What I always laugh at is I always laugh when I run across people say that they're, they're dry, that they have no creativity now. I'm always like, I'm never dry or, or I'm out of creativity. I'm lazy sometimes. I don't feel like freaking doing anything. Just because I'll, I just that's just I just don't have the energy for it at the moment. But I'm never dry. There's always like pools and pools and pools of other creative things that I could pull out if I need to. So uh, I want to mention that. Let me uh, see what Apollo's thoughts are on that are on that in a second. But let me mention Desiree's comment here. She's saying very true. Thank you, Apollo. It was actually nice to know that I'm not the only person who works like that. I asked because it is my weakness as well, and was looking for another way to approach it. Bravo. Very nice. good. Which, yeah, see that you you just fix someone, you just manipulated somebody, dude. Evil laugh. <laughs> 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 Manipulation is wrong. Uh, anyway, so uh, 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 what, what's what's your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. Like you know, and as we grow older uh, and we get different experiences, you know, we can we're constantly. I guess we should be constantly manipulating our our approaches for different situations. There are some situations that require a certain amount of work, and some you know situations that require you to just focus on the vision and then the creation. But I will say this: a lot of people um, aren't really working as hard as they think they're working towards their goals, um, but. Then, and I don't mean that just physically, but or visually. But so, just if it's time to start it, then go all the way. If you're gonna do it, then do it as passionately as you can. But you know, if not, then it's just not time to start it, and that's okay. Like, make room for a vision that's so strong that you don't even have that choice. That it's just kind of taking over and like pulling you towards it. Because uh, there are st- times that I get a thought and then I end up never doing anything with it. And I don't judge it as like a bad thing. I just look at it like, okay, I guess, you know, it's not the time for that. Oh, so, right. You know. Uh, definitely. And, and also, I mean, I, I don't know if, if you've done this too. I think maybe a lot of people have a similarity. I mean, I've got a lot of projects that I've started that have turned into amazing things. And even as a writer, I've also got stuff that really turned into nothing or basically was crap. Like, I look back on a couple of years, I'm like, oh, that sucked. You know what I mean? But I still, I'm glad that I did it. Um, I, I always think that a way to evaluate a life in terms of a certain level of success is not everything you do is necessarily going to turn out to be amazing. Um, but I'd rather take those risks and explore those opportunities, even if they don't necessarily pan out, than spend a lifetime regretting what I could have done. Right. Had I tried. Or, or- even even what you create now, like to not be attached to the immediate results of it, I think is important too. If you look at, I believe it's Van Gogh who didn't even sell one painting in his entire life, and now his work sells for millions of dollars. You know, after he died, so you never know. Like, or maybe you read, maybe you wrote something that planted a seed in somebody else that you you never met, right? That you'll never know, and they don't even know that you planted that seed. And in twenty years from now, they do something that changes the world. And we're so. Um, I think humans, as humans, we're very short-sighted at how yeah. huge the little things are because we don't see the interconnectivity of things. We don't see that every tiny action has trillions of butterfly effects, which is impossible to conceptualize on a human level, but just you have to kind of have faith that that's how the universe works and it's beautiful in its own way. So I'm not really attached to, like, is my work inspiring people or da-da-da-da-da or is this project worth it? Just do what you're being called to do. Do it with love and do it with compassion and the rest will take care of itself. Very, very well said. 
definitely. And, and, and I and I would agree with that completely, and also add that. I think also that when you're really, really doing something you love, it isn't really necessarily work. Um, you know, I mean, because I even use this analogy for people who who garden. Like you can be out gardening and planting flowers or vegetables and be covered in in in, in dirt and smell and be sweating, but like, you know, if you're really a true gardener, like you love doing that. You, you like the dirt on you. You you know you like that feeling of getting your hands in the soil. You you, you feel that, and um, you know I know for me even as a writer, like one of my favorite things as a writer is like I I will write a column by hand on paper, and then I'll type it into the computer and I'll print it out. And then I'll go back on the couch later on. I'll sit and drink a cup of coffee and I'll edit it, and then I'll go back to the computer. It's kind of a weird process, but like I like that process because. I can just stand and I can't sit in front of a computer for more than an hour or two without losing my marbles. <laughs> I'm amazed at people that have the ability to do that. That's like fascinating to me. Right, how, how do you? Uh, let me ask you that. As a writer, how do you write? Uh, th- this might actually surprise you. Uh, I used to be like a pencil and paper person, and I still am. I, I love doing handwritten poems, but I, I did this thing one time, and I kind of fell in love with the process. It was kind of unexpected. Um, I just put the key, the keyboard on my lap, and um, I just closed my eyes, and I, and I started typing without even thinking. Um, right. And it, allo- it allowed me to channel write, which was really interesting. I've never done it before. It was actually an Alex Gray poem. I just watched a, a documentary on Alex Gray, and I wrote this poem, and then you know, later on, I actually got to read it in front of him, which is a whole other story. But um, I realized, like, wow, like, with my when my eyes are open and I'm writing with a pen and paper, it's awesome. You could still do the channel writing, obviously, but right. when my eyes are closed and I, I kind of memorize where all the keys are, I just type without thinking, without going back, without editing. And it, it, I just find that it flowed a lot better. So sometimes I, I probably do both, like, half and half right now. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up the channel writing stuff too, because I, I think it's a great subject. And you know, I have I've done that in my early twenties. I was doing quite a bit of channeling. I would just take a pen, and I would also just do it with a pen, and I would just let whatever came to my psyche just flow out. And um, I, I found for a while I was actually doing that for people too, where I would they'd ask me if I could channel something for them, and I would just get information that way. And man, I was blowing some people's minds with the stuff I was getting when I did that. But it was—it felt like it was coming from a completely different channel, um, which is cool because I think that that creativity has multiple channels. I always use the analogy that I, I think that for a lot of human beings, it's like they're listening to one radio station all of the time. And what would happen if you just turned the, the channel a little? And you know what I mean, and realize that you've got access to all kinds of different stations or ways of viewing things or approaches and 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 perceptions of things and it, it it's really kind of a cool uh, viewpoint if you recognize that we have the ability to do that definitely so awesome all right, we just had a couple minutes here. Let me give uh, Apollo uh, some time to throw a few few plugs out you know tell tell people what to check out in terms of what you got and how they can get hold of you. Sure. Uh, my website is ApolloPoetry.com. Um, it's actually being relaunched, so what you see right now is probably the last few days that it's going to be in that format. Um, and I got some really big things coming up this summer. Unfortunately, I can't share it publicly, but um, uh, I guess if you yeah, – I can't really say too much about it, but you'll everyone is going to know about it. Um, and uh, – there are just amazing things happening. Uh, I'm going to release a new album. I'm releasing a book. I'm working on a couple of business ideas and inventions and just, you know, staying as busy as possible. Um, and I am going to go the whole summer without Facebook, so that should be an interesting challenge. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. But, you know, stay stay in touch with ApolloPoetry.com. Uh, my wife, Jasmine, is going to run all my social stuff as I kind of disappear for this summer, but uh, we'll be having a bunch of releases throughout the rest of this year. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, excellent. Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed uh, the conversation talking to you. I knew it would be a good one. Um, So uh, I I also want to thank everybody else uh, who who chimed in, uh, Desiree White and and Tanya and and, uh, everybody else who's been jumping in uh, the chat room and listening to the show live, uh, you know, one of the things I always say is a lot of people will will typically catch 
Um, the show, I, I kind of run, I, I think I, I do the show at 3.30 just to be antagonistic that it's such an odd time. Welcome to, see, this is the birthday of the day of the instigator. i got to be a little bit of an asshole, I guess, just because I can be. People are saying, do your show later, do your show later. I'm, like, I'm doing it at 3.30. I, I don't want to I don't wanna change all my brochures and business cards yet. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Anyway, I, I think it's good. A lot of people I know catch the show in the archive. So, again, thank you very much, Apollo. It was really great talking to you. Thank you for, for, for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. No, definitely. I appreciate your directness and your honesty and your no BS approach towards spirituality. Yeah. Awesome. So thank right. you for having Excellent. me. Excellent. Thanks again, man. All right. Peace out. All right, everybody. Thank you for, for tuning into the show. I'll be taking next Thursday off, and I'll be back on again uh, toward the end of the month and uh, three, four shows every every month. So uh, check out. Uh, that info on the web and uh, sign up for my newsletter if you're not already getting it at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com Alright people, thank you for tuning in today Thanks again for all your input and we'll catch up with you next time. Peace out <laughs>